Join me tonight in the book of Revelation, if you would, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, the apocalypse, the revealing of Jesus Christ, a light to lighten the Gentiles. The revelation of Jesus Christ, and in this verse of scripture, we see that once again. And to our great delight, we just get to see it in almost every verse in this book. It is a compact declaration of the greatness and might of our God, the Lord Jesus. And I'd like to begin reading verses 1 through 18, and then we would like to look at verse 7 tonight. Verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. All right, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse. That's what that word is, the apocalypse. And as we mentioned over in the, one of the Gospels, it says uh, the word is also translated, he is a light to lighten the Gentiles. A revelation, a bright light. Uh, I've been working, I don't know why they call it dry rot. I don't know why they call it dry rot. It's wet rot. And there was a, looking under that house, I had to get a flashlight. I just could not see through the dark. And put a flashlight on it and could see things. And that's just what Jesus Christ is to us. He is the light to lighten the Gentiles. And he reveals himself. And we sang about that. I don't know how he does it. But he does it, and he does it in such a glorious way that the church says, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Keep those things which are written therein. Every day will be blessed by remembering the greatness of our Savior. Every day. Remembering the greatness of our Savior. And I believe that's what he's talking about. It's our privilege to meditate on the greatness of our Savior, the magnitude of his salvation. And from Jesus Christ, oh, let me back up, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, 
the beginning and the ending. Saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother. I like that. John, our brother. He's not a super Christian. He's a brother. Brother in Christ. Paul would say the same thing. Yeah, Stephen, Philip, Bartholomew. They'd all say, we're your brother. Jesus said in the church, there's no hierarchy. We're all equal. Only place on earth where everybody is equal. That's in the church. Bond or free, male or female, rich or poor, everybody is equal in the church. There's no, I like this, no big eyes and little use. Everybody's equal. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's a good place to be. Every day is his day, but we, the first day of the week, we get to celebrate the resurrection. Now, every day we, we uh, live by that. I've mentioned we don't pray unless we believe in the resurrection. Now, we may mumble words, but we can't pray unless we believe in the resurrection. Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. If that's not part of our spiritual being, we're just mouthing words. And that's what a lot of people do. I mean, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Say it 45 times and get some penance, you know. But the Lord, he's sitting on high and lifted up on his throne. And we pray because he's raised from the dead. We live because he's raised from the dead. We fellowship because he's raised from the dead. We're brothers and sisters in Christ because he is raised from the dead. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now this is Jesus. This is the Lord Jesus. This is our Savior speaking and it's a great voice like a trumpet. It was said during his personal ministry, this. This is like a trumpet. He spoke as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. Now that's the voice of a trumpet. Clear, distinct, powerful, meaningful. And when we read the words of the Lord Jesus, that should be what strikes us. He speaks as a trumpet, one with authority and not just mouthing words. <clears throat> ah, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks hmm, one like unto the son of man now his reaction at the conclusion of this is I feel dead like I was dead <laughs> what an impression the Lord made on him he's not singing me and Jesus have a great thing going. He's not singing that. Or Jesus is my co-pilot. No, no. 
He's saying, he's so powerful. I fell as I were dead. He was clothed like a high priest. He is our high priest. Clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. Uh, it's interesting that the jurists of England still wear those wigs to give themselves the impression of authority and wisdom. The Lord Jesus doesn't need a wig. His hair's like white, like authority, power, wisdom is all in him combined. And his eyes were a flame of fire, feet like in the fine brass, as it had if they were burned in a furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, the word of God. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell as I, at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead and am, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and hell. All right, let's go back over here to verse 7. I know that we looked a little bit at this verse 7 last time we had the privilege of being together. And I am very thankful for those who stood in my place when I was gone. But I want to say a few more things about this verse 7. It says, as, the, as John was meditating, as he was thinking, and my, when you get to thinking about the things that be of the Lord, Lord, help us not to wander off onto fleshly things about the Lord, but spiritual things. Let's behold him as he is. And the John says here, he's meditating on the Lord Jesus, says in verse 5, faithful witness, first begotten of the dead, prince of the kings of the earth. Oh, he loved me so much he gave himself for me. And he cleansed me, washed me from my sins in his own blood. He's made us all kings and priests. My, he's promoted us. We have a promotion that we could never get on our own. He's promoted us. We have a certificate. That's a certificate. That means that we have an inheritance undefiled in heaven that fades not away. It's a certification of it, and that that is given to us by down payment, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then he says here, Behold, he cometh with clouds. He's meditating, how it leads him. Now, this, the, the statements found in the New Testament about the coming of the Lord Jesus are not new. They're Old Testament. We find men and women of the Old Testament believed as firmly in the coming of Christ the second time as they did the first time. Just like you and I. We, by faith, believe the Lord Jesus came and was suspended between heaven and earth as our sacrifice. We don't have to go back there to prove it. We don't have to find the ground. We don't have to find a cave. We don't have to find a tomb. We don't have to find some board or any of those things to believe that the Lord Jesus was here, born of a virgin. It's either ours or there isn't. It's either given to us or we don't believe it. But let's turn over to the book of Job, if you would. Job chapter 19. 
And Brother Job had something to write about the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, for a long time, I, I said, and I try to correct myself now, the second coming of Jesus, second, second coming of Christ. I like to put it this way, Christ at his second coming. When we start looking at the second coming of Christ, we start looking for things that are going to happen that precede that. And when we look at Christ at his second coming, we're looking for Christ. And that's what the church was looking for. That's what the church in 100 AD was looking for. Christ at his second coming. The promise of his coming was made and they're looking for him, not looking for signs. There's something said in the scriptures about signs. Jesus told a group of people that woe to those who seek signs. Adulterous generations seek after signs. But no sign shall be given except the sign of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. A wicked and a, a wicked and adulterous generation seek after a sign. It just gets worse, doesn't it? We're not looking for signs. We're looking for Christ at his coming. The second time. Not looking for anything to be built, anybody to move. We're looking for Christ to return. Now, here in the book of Job, Job chapter 19, written so long ago, a man that was overwhelmed by the calamities. Now, we sang about a song in our song there tonight. I don't know about God's providence. I don't know whether my days will be glorious or my days will have hardship. Well, he just don't know. Well, Job was one who had hardship. This book is written about a man in suffering. He lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his health. He lost the fellowship of his wife. He lost a lot. And here in the 19th chapter of the book of Job, and in verse 25, it says, now this is written a long time ago. Job was an ancient man now. But notice what he had to say. And what he shared with the saints down through the ages. He said here in Job chapter 19 verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. Now he said a mouthful. He knows a Redeemer. A Redeemer. And in saying that he's admitting that he was a slave. He's a slave to sin. He was a slave under Adam. And there was one that came along and redeemed him out of the hand of the fowler. Redeemed him from sin. I know that my Redeemer liveth. It says there in Job 19 verse 25. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body. Yet in my flesh shall I see God. Now he believed in the coming of Christ the second time. It was so ingrained in him. He, he's an Old Testament saint with New Testament theology. <laughs> he had a grasp about the coming of the Lord Jesus. And he believed firmly in his Redeemer. And though he would pass away, and before the Lord Jesus Christ even came, born of a virgin, he was given the faith to look ahead and say, I know he's coming again to get me out of the dirt. What statement Job made as it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. We just sang a song. 
the works of the Holy Spirit. They're past finding out. But what the Holy Spirit does in revealing the Lord Jesus, it will give us confidence that our Redeemer liveth. And on the earth again shall stand. And though after we pass through the portals of death, and our body is cast aside, yet in my flesh shall I see God. A resurrection. He's going to go out. Now, John says, Behold, he cometh. Behold, he cometh. Let's go back over there to the book of Revelation. John believed what Job believed. Job believed what John believed. Why? The Holy Spirit revealed it to all of them. He was confident. He believed. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Now, I'd like to just look at this clouds for a moment. I know, I'm going to wear it out, but there's something there. There's something there. You know, a cloud, a cloud is a representation of one compound on our earth that appears in three forms all at the same time. A cloud will hold ice, a cloud will hold vapor, and a cloud will hold water. All at the same time. What a picture of the trinity there's no difference in value in whether it's ice vapor or liquid they're all h2o characteristics the same ministry somewhat different blessing each other all come out of the cloud now there was a cloud in the old testament that just causes God's people to say, oh my, and you do it today to us. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. This cloud, he come with a cloud. Cloud's been used in the scriptures for many things, to reveal many things. But there's nothing much more blessed to a Christian than this cloud that led the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And this pillar of fire. Here in the book of Exodus, chapter 13. We read about this cloud, this cloud, and, and he comes with the cloud, and he's in the cloud. We're going to see that in the scriptures. Here in the book of, of Exodus chapter 13, as we think about the Lord Jesus, he comes in the cloud, he's going to come, and they that pierced him are going to see him, and those who didn't pierce him are going to see him, and they're going to wail. But here in the book of Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21, the scriptures share this, it says, and the Lord went before them by, a, by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, and to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now I'm convinced that today, spiritually speaking, the Lord Jesus Christ still leads his people just like he did there by the power of his spirit. We were talking about that on Sunday night, about the, a magnet, just a piece of metal. But we have so grown accustomed to that piece of metal following some unseen force to point north so we can find north, south, east, and west too and all the points in between. There's an unseen force that controls that. And I am absolutely convinced that the Holy Spirit is more powerful than the unseen force that controls a magnet. 
the Holy Spirit is able to lead his people to do according to his divine purpose and will. And we see this evidenced in the Old Testament by a pillar of cloud that led the children of Israel. And they may say one day, Moses, aren't those our tracks? We've been here before. And Moses could say, yes, they are. But do you see that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud? That's what's leading us. Not we ourselves. It's the cloud. It's the cloud. And then if you turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, as we think about this cloud, he comes in the cloud. There's, some, there's significance to that cloud that the Lord Jesus would come in cloud. It's, it's symbolic of his power and his glory and Trinity and the power of God combined. Glorious power. Numbers chapter 14. Here we read verse 14. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 14, this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. And the Holy Spirit does the same today. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 14, it says, And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among his people, and that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day Time in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. These outsiders know that you're leading your people by this. Oh, we're just not going hodgepodge through this world. We're just not jumping from stump to stump. We're led by the power of God, by the wisdom of God, by the strength of God. By an unseen force, the Holy Spirit. Now, this cloud, he cometh in a cloud. Now, turn with me, if you would, to the psalm. Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Psalm 97 and verse 2. Let's back up to verse 1 there. Psalm 97, verse 1 and 2. The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. Clouds and darkness. What symbolism. It was from a cloud one day that a voice said, This is my beloved son, Hear ye him from a cloud. This absolute power, glory of God. He's going to come in glory. He's going to come in power. This cloud is symbolic of the glory. He's not coming as a weakling. He's coming as all-powerful. He's coming as almighty. He's coming as the one that rules and reigns. He's the one that has governed this world and held it together. He's coming with great power. And that's what the scriptures tell us about the coming of the Lord Jesus. Power and great glory. We mentioned last time that we were together there is no place in all the Bible that speaks about it being a silent, secret coming. It talks about 
such an outstanding blast of a trumpet, it's going to scare the dead. The dead without Christ. And it's going to be the, the tinkling of a bell of victory to the saved. Power and great glory. He's going to come in power and great glory. Cloud, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. As we look at that verse of scripture over there, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Isaiah chapter 19. Isaiah chapter 19. And then we want to look at a couple in the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 19, this cloud is so symbolic of the very presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. This is the, the, every attribute and characteristic of the Lord. He's going to be coming with power and great glory, demonstrated a crack of light, a burst of a trumpet, a sound that will shake this earth from end to end. It's not just going to be a mamby-pamby coming. It's going to be with power and thunder and a voice of a trumpet. And everyone will see him. Every eye shall see him. Every knee shall bow before him. This is the Lord Jesus is coming back. The king of glory is coming back. The one who has ruled over his church and ruled over this world. And he will gather his elect to the right hand and he'll gather the rest to his left hand and he will speak and the people will inherit the kingdom that was prepared from them before the world was and the rest shall be turned into hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels without a word every mouth shall be silenced before the lord the christians in awe that they ever got to see grace and the lost in judgment, because the judge has spoken. There won't be any mouthing to God. There will not be any back talk to God. There won't be any why. It ain't fair. They'll submit themselves to the cloud of glory, the Lord Jesus. All right, Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1. The burden of Egypt. Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud. And shall come into Egypt, and the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and the heart of the Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. Now, isn't that what he's going to do there in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8? To the rest, they're going to be moved by the power of this cloud. What's it say? The idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and the heart of Egypt shall be melt in the midst of it. The, Egypt is so often just a, a symbol of sinners and he'll move against them with their consent now turn with me to the matthew chapter 24 matthew chapter 24 this is a great coming of the lord this is a victory of the lord this is he's the uh, climax of the acts of the lord jesus christ this is the finish of the finish when he said it's finished it's finished but this is the finish of the finish when he comes to receive his own unto himself, when he declares eternity to begin, when the action that took place in the Garden of Eden is reversed, when Adam's fall is taken care of, when sin shall be put away forever, when those raised in Christ will never remember a sin again, will not commit a sin again, will not think about it, 
We shall know him as he is. We shall be like unto him. We shall be given a body like unto his glorious body. It will be the completion of the finish. The Lord Jesus Christ shall speak peace to all of his people, and they shall rest in him for eternity without ever a thought of sin. Tears will be taken away. It's taken away spiritually now. But then, in reality, we will not wonder, we'll not surmise about what's happened to anybody else. We'll worship the King of glory with thanksgiving. We'll be like that woman who came in and anointed his feet with alabaster box of ointment. We'll be so glad to be in his presence. And he said that she's doing it for my burial. And we'll do it because of his resurrection. It'll be a glorious time. Now, all right, Matthew chapter 24. It overwhelms us, just overwhelms us at the, the very presence and power and coming of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 24, and there in verse 30, the scriptures say, say this, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That should be in big capital letters. They shall see him in power and great glory. That clouds. I, it's not going to hide him. It's going to be the, the, the backdrop. <laughs> It will reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It will declare his glory. It will declare his sovereignty. It will declare his mercy. It will declare his grace. This great cloud, figuratively speaking. I'm not, no, I don't know whether it's going to be in clouds or not, but he's sure going to be glorious when he arrives. And every eye shall see him. They that pierced him, those that were sinners saved by God's free grace, Look upon him whom they pierced. I sent him to the tree, but by it he saved me from my sin. All right. And then in chapter 26 and verse 64, chapter 26 and verse 64 of that same book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, 26 and verse 64. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What? Further need have we of witness. Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. That's a lost man speaking about the glory of God. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And the church is sitting around saying, Oh my, I want some more of that. <laughs> I want some more of that. Give me some more of that. And the lost as blasphemy. Coming in power and great glory. All right. <clears throat> Every eye shall see him. Would you turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is just chucked full of the grace of God demonstrated in the lives of people. 
The Apostle Paul shares with them, and he concludes this chapter about the coming of the Lord Jesus <clears throat> the second time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Well, I'll, let's read verse 10, and then we'll back up. Because this is the culmination of God's people's faith in Christ. A person that says they do not believe in the coming of Christ the second time is not a believer. That's just all there is to it. Will not, cannot be a believer. Now notice here, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven. That's our call. That's our commission. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, we deserve the wrath to come, but he's delivered us from the wrath to come, and we get to wait for the Lord Jesus, wait for his son from heaven. And the only indication we have in all the scriptures about when he's coming back is someday the last sheep will be saved. That's the only indicator. Now, everything else is man-made. Everything else is contrived. The only thing in Scripture that shares with us about the coming of the Lord Jesus is the long-suffering of the Lord means salvation. So somewhere, it might be our children, our grandchildren. It might be someone who just came from Uganda. It might be one of those Iraqis over there that hears the gospel from one of our soldiers. We don't know. But somewhere, there's still some sheep to be saved. I trust here in the Dalles. I trust that some of our children. I do. I believe it. But when the last one is saved, the last name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, then he will come with clouds and power and great glory and wrap this up. And for eternity, we'll sit at his feet and praise him for saving us from our sins. For eternity, we'll never wear it out. It won't be just a fad. It will be an eternal desire given to us. All right. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers. They just said, thank you, Lord, for those folks. Oh, my goodness, you worked a work of grace down there in Thessalonica. The gospel was preached, and we don't know how, but we know you worked a work of grace. It was a miracle took place. A whole bunch of people were born again. They were radical, idolatrous people, hell-bent and hell-deserving, but you worked a work of grace in them. Now, let's see. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. You couldn't do this unless God worked the work of grace in you. He had an interest in you before the foundation of the world, and now it has been worked out, and you can see the evidence of it. You love God. You're God lovers. What's Romans eight twenty eight? Talks about a bunch of God lovers. All things work together for the good of them that love God. It's a bunch of God lovers. We're, we're atheists by nature and God haters in purpose. But God makes us God lovers. And here he says, you're just a bunch of God lovers. Remembering without ceasing. Knowing you're 
brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Sinners saved by grace was among us. It wasn't in their hands. It wasn't Paul's salvation. I'll never forget reading about Billy Sunday. <laughs> now, I don't agree with his theology at all, but I like what he had to say one time. A man says he was drunk and came up to Billy Sunday and said, I, I'm, I'm one of your converts. Billy Sunday said, I know it. If you're one of God's, you wouldn't be like that. <laughs> yeah. God didn't waste his time like that. All right. Now he says here, <clears throat> you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in also at every place your faith Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now that's repentance. That's a wonderful statement about repentance. Now if we follow this down, we just see the activity of God among these people. And then he says in verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. And to wait for his son from heaven. Someday the sun's going to come by. Come on. Now we may go home by the subway, but he's still going to say, come on. We may go home by air. Come on. He's going to get us going. Move us. Wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Every eye shall see him. Every believer in Christ Jesus, everyone God saved, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, those God's work to work of grace in, the church from beginning to end, those even now waiting before his throne in spirit are waiting for the coming of the Lord. Waiting, waiting. And it's not way out there. It's up front. Waiting, waiting, waiting. God's people are waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus the second time. It's just part of their nature. They don't have to have a preaching on it every Sunday to believe it. It's just part of their nature. And they rejoice in the preaching of it. Because it's part of their nature. To wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now... <clears throat> Going over here again to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Mm, such glory. Such light. Such power. It's going to take power to raise all his people from all the places that they've been deposited. Now, I don't have a problem one with people wanting to be uh, cremated. 
got all that dust thrown out there on the hillside or the sea or whatever, God's just going to put it right back together. Those who have been in the grave, those who were eaten by animals during the terrible times of the church, those just scattered. God's the power of God to put his people back into a a presence where the spirit is reunited with the body. Now that's power. Power to resurrect Jesus Christ, same power. Power to raise us from the spiritual dead, same power. That's the power of God, to do what he promised to do. And I says, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. That verse over in Zechariah, oh, he gave grace so that people could see him whom they pierced. He opened their eyes so they could see him whom they pierced. It's not talking about lost people. It's talking about God's people, his church. And then in the latter part of that, it says, And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. And I thought this was interesting, the last three words of that verse. Even so, amen. That reminded me of a verse over here in the book of Matthew. Would you turn with Merit there as we close? Matthew chapter 11. Now, I don't know why... I forget that Matthew chapter 11 is the one that closes with such a delightful close. And there it says, uh, uh, his burden is easy. But notice this. Matthew chapter 11 is speaking about John the Baptist. Came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach to the preach to their cities, now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Now, notice verse 6. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now I read a translation one time on that, and it says, Blessed are those who do not find fault with the way God does his business. Now over there in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, closes out and says, Even so, amen. Blessed are those who don't find fault with the way God does his business. They rest in his eternal, everlasting sovereignty. There will be those that wail. Even so, amen. Blessed are they who do not find fault with the way God does his business. I believe that's the truth. That's the only way we can have peace. God, as sure as you're coming again, you're in charge. As sure as you're coming with great glory, you're king. As sure as the glory shall shine from the east to the west when you return, you have the throne. And we're just mere, mere, Sinners saved by grace, do as you please.
because I don't want to be offended at the way you do your business.